You're listening to the official South Bay Church podcast. For more about us, please visit southbaychurch.us. Well, good morning. It's good to see everybody here today. How's everybody? Uh, how'd this past week go? Have some highs? Have some lows? Okay, we, we, we got the mix. Um, I did this week as well. Uh, really encouraged on a number of different fronts. Wednesday night uh, was awesome to be able to uh, sit in the audience and hear my son Stephen preach a message for the singles out of the book End of Me on Wednesday. I, God's really blessed him. I cannot believe uh, just what an incredible job he did. I'm really looking forward to see what the next 10, 15, 20 years will bring. But uh, that was super encouraging. Then I had the opportunity to get out and do a little deep sea fishing with Seeley, uh, Gilbert, and Rudy Casillas uh, over the weekend. And uh, that was good. Appreciate Gilbert and uh, Rudy getting in there, kind of helped me with a few knots and, you know, that kind of thing. But uh, we all caught fish. They caught the most. But uh, I'm fired up. I'm going to be able to show up at our Memorial Day barbecue with all the neighbors in the breezeway and something that resembles fish. They're kind of small fillets, but, you know, for those that want fish, I've got fish. So and then the low this week is uh, Jackie. She's been sick. So, uh if you guys are keeping her prayers, the, uh, whenever we get pollen in the air, she gets this uh, upper sinus infection thing going, and, uh, and it just seems to continue to tear down her immune system. So uh, she, was, uh, she was a little bummed this morning, but it's unusual when she feels like it's best for her to stay home. She didn't want to contaminate anybody and probably could use the rest. So, but if you'd pray for her, I'd super appreciate it. Uh, for those of you visiting, my name is Steve Marici. I'm the uh, lead evangelist here in the South Bay Church. Very, very excited to be able to serve in the capacity I do here. And uh, as you can see, we're continuing with our sermon series, brand new, which uh, this will be the final episode, per se. And let's see if we're working here. I'm not getting anything with the uh, remote. There we go. Okay, so uh, this morning, anyway, our, our final, again, our final brand new uh, portion of the series is entitled, It's Your Move. And, uh, you know, before I get into the message, what is today? What are, what are we celebrating this weekend? Memorial Day. Memorial Day. I, I'd like to take the opportunity for those of you that have served this country to stand up for a minute so we can acknowledge you. When I, when I look at this country versus a lot of countries around the world, I think for, for me as a Christian, it's probably that much more significant that we have men and women that have been willing to basically put their lives on the line protecting our freedom here in the United States. And I, I am very, very grateful uh, for your sacrifice. For those of you that had family members that served, some of you may have had family members that were lost, uh, super grateful. And that it gives us the opportunity to actually be able to meet publicly like this and talk about Christ. So again, thank you. Uh, the uh, title again this morning is, it's time to move on. It's your move. And really thinking through the lessons that have proceeded up to this point, what are we going to do with what we've learned? So I figure I'll start out with a little bit of a review this morning, but uh, I think most of you are familiar with what we've talked about when it came to the temple model, having sacred, sacred places, sacred text, sacred men, and sincere followers. And it's nothing new when it comes to its origin in history. Uh, I shared about this way back when we had our series Selfless last year, and that ultimately what we have going on here is when it comes to the history of religion, 
how you worship, how that conduct can influence your lives and others around you. And Christianity today has a lot of influences that it has received through the years. Even uh, things that maybe we've learned as a child, or there's certain aspects that maybe even are societal, but our consciousness as Christians, there are things that sometimes we can feel guilty about. You know, there, uh, Pat talked about in his prayer when it comes to resistance. Uh, resisting some of the different challenges. I mean, Satan's on the prowl. We've got so many different things we're being bombarded with in the course of the day. Our peers, the workplace, school, and really understanding that there are ultimately things we should do and don't. And there's things that we do, but we shouldn't. And they have been formed and shaped a lot by what's taken place through history. When it comes to the temple model, again, it's nothing new. It's a model that goes all the way back through any of our major uh, kingdoms, uh, different situations, countries, uh, different groups, whether it be the Egyptians, the Persians, the Babylonians, the Assyrians, and the Jews. They all have a component that revolved around a temple. And really understanding that we are committed when... Christ confronted him. It was his move, taking responsibility for his life, being a hunter, literally, of Christians, surrendering that, and then trying to figure out to transition into this group of people that he had been persecuting. People were afraid of Paul, but he got it. He understood it. Paul was engaged, and Paul got it, and with that, he wants each and every one of us to as well. Galatians 5, verse 14. I love this. Again, just keeping in mind, when it comes to the Jesus model, it's complicated, but it's far more demanding. Paul lays it out here, for the entire law is fulfilled in one statement. Love your neighbor as yourself. You know, this is, again, a complete departure from temple thinking. All 634 laws, regulations that the religious leaders of Jesus' day put together were kicked by this. And it doesn't mean that there wasn't an adherence. But if you love God, and you're resisting what's going on in the world, what's that life going to look like? Is it going to be different? Aren't people going to be able to see that? It was a complete departure from the old temple thinking. That passage upholds everything. In verse, uh, excuse me, and just kind of moving forward with this, thinking through uh, what the temple model leads to ultimately, temple model is about consumption, consuming. The Jesus model, again, is about engaging. You know, I really, uh, I want to really commend the single brothers and sisters that are part of the South Bay Church. They have really been going it after this year. There have been studies going within the men and the women virtually every single week since the beginning of the year. As you've seen, there's been a number of people that have come to, come to Christ. And again, that's, that's where, this is more about the Jesus model than the temple model. Temple model, again, you can come out and you can get your fix. And you do your 9 to 5 thing, hit the remote on the garage door, and you, you close shop. But where, where the Jesus model is more demanding is there is this component where we need to engage other people. We need to serve other people. On the freeway, what would the Jesus model look like? Do we see the Jesus model very often on the freeway? Exactly. You're not, you're not worried about somebody filling that space, you know, in between you and the next car. Uh, you don't start flashing the brights or hanging out the window saying things. And, uh, you know, it's in some ways I'm, I'm glad I kind of, it, in some ways, probably went better earlier on in life. I didn't become a Christian until I was 32. But I look at situations I got on the freeway because I was concerned about that car space. Or I was concerned about somebody flashing me with their brights as I'm doing 80, feeling like I'm not going fast enough. Or whatever, being cut off, people not letting you get over. 
The Jesus model, you know what? That has absolutely no negative impact on people at all. Because, you know what? We're not worried about that extra 10, 15 seconds to work. Because we, we got something a lot greater for us waiting in heaven. Amen? You know, what would, the, what would the Jesus model look like in the workplace? Think it through. First one there, maybe? Last one to leave? Or just maybe a, a degree of interaction and concern for your fellow employees rather than getting caught up in, you know, the latest gossip or the latest thing with politics or, you know, talking about women. I mean, whatever. But an example that others can look to and say, man, there's something different going on there. And why? Because what we have to offer is significant. It's huge. People want a life of purpose. They want an actual community. I mean, we live in communities, but are they really? How much interaction goes on within our, on our streets? Some of you maybe more so than others. How many of you know your next-door neighbor on the left and the right? Or take that out a couple more homes. We have a very detached community, but the church is something that's totally different. What would the Jesus model look like in our marriage? You know, putting the, other, putting the spouse's needs before your own. You know, we've gone through a number of different books that show how it's amazing when we apply those principles, our marriage can go to a much greater place, a place of impact. When we have that kind of a focus, when we're willing to put our spouse first. It's amazing how it's not about it being conditional and hoping that it's reciprocal, but isn't that usually how it, how, what it looks like if we're actually engaged on that level? I know that's how it is with my marriage. You know, got to meet my wife's love languages. Acts of service is a biggie. It's also, it's also one that's easy for me to miss from time to time. So thinking it through dating, you know, people say chivalry's dead. Well, I don't know about that. I've seen a number of brothers and sisters in the church where the brothers in particular are willing to protect those sisters. They are chivalrous. They protect their virtue. They'd never put anybody that they're dating into a situation that people could question their virtue, which is awesome. So really understanding it's time to move on. It's your move. It's my move. Jesus' model, as we saw in the scriptures, it's a matter of personal responsibility. Number one, we're responsible for loving God. Number two, we're responsible for loving each other. God has given us that responsibility. You know, it's a massive responsibility, but with that, it's an incredible opportunity. It gives us an incredible purpose, being able to make a difference in other people's lives. It's something that if we really embrace it, if we live it, it affects people. It affects our children, which, commercial here for a moment, I know there's been some question about what our kids' kingdom is looking like when it comes to the singles and the teens. Yeah, you want to volunteer, you want to be in there, this isn't a marriage only thing. And sometimes, guys, your youthfulness can have, not, not, not say anything about the marriage that do serve in there, but that youthfulness in a lot of instances, I've seen great connection points with kids looking back in the past where they remember a kid's kingdom teacher. They remember somebody believing in them. They remember somebody in a classroom giving them a role. And guess what? They've grown on, gone on and grown up and become disciples. And a lot of it had to do with those seeds that were planted in kids' kingdom. There's two types of people. Whoops, did I? I think that slide was already up there. I can't even do this without talking with my fingers. Okay, moving on from this one. Two kinds of, two kinds of people. Ah! <laughs> I'll let you do it. Take it back to uh, slide number 13 there. Yes, there are two kinds of people. Those who make progress and those who make excuses. I'm really thinking that through this morning. Which one am I? Which one are you? 
I'm going to close out our series right here in Galatians 6. This will be our uh, final passage this morning. Galatians 6 gives us an incredible principle, which we think through principles in life. Gravity is a principle, right? It's a law. There is a principle involved, though, right? What happens when you drop something? Why? It's gravity. When it comes to water, most of us are familiar, familiar with activities and buoyancy. There's the potential to do what when you're in water? Sink, right? Yeah, the, the downside of that, if there's nobody around, yeah, you, you would drown. That's really a negative component there. I, that wouldn't be my note. Somebody, somebody up here in the first two rows said that. But really thinking that through, when it comes to buoyancy, the principle's pretty basic. Gravity, it's pretty basic. It's a principle that we're all very familiar with, churched or non-churched. How many of you have heard, you reap what you sow? Let's go ahead and see hands on that. I mean, it's pretty much everybody in here. So Christian, non-Christian, it doesn't really matter. This is one of those things that's a principle that we've been hearing about for years. And really understanding that a life principle is something that can work for you or against you. With this one, I want to know how I can leverage it to my benefit, right? Pinocchio. Can anybody tell me what the uh, operative principle was in his life? So if he lied, what happened? His nose grew. Now, I know if that was my case, I'd probably think a lot more frequently about what it is that comes out of my mouth, right? Especially as a kid, man, I wouldn't even be able to cart that thing around. But uh, this is a principle. People reap what they sow. We can leverage it and we receive the benefit or ignore it and suffer the consequences. And, you know, with some of us, we may have grown up, uh, you know, back in the day when the King James Version was something that was... uh, Read and you know maybe you didn't raise your you raise your hand because this is what you heard and that says that whatever man soweth that shall he also reap. I personally I think this would be a better fit. Whatever man soweth that shall be also what he reapeth. <laughs> Thinking about this passage and this principle in our lives today, though, is it something you've acknowledged, and is it something you're using to leverage your impact? One thing for sure that it does is it empowers us to take responsibility and motivates us to take responsibility in our own lives. People reap what they sow. Is this, a, is this principle good or bad? It totally depends. It depends on what you're doing, what you're reaping, right? What you reap will be a matter of what you sow. So we can leverage it. Galatians 6, verse 3. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing... He deceives himself. Ultimately, what do we see taking place in this passage? Can we all find people we compare ourselves to and feel better about ourselves? But this tells us what? This isn't where we want to be looking. As long as you're comparing yourself to other people on either side of you, either better or worse, what we do is we end up running the risk of deceiving ourselves. And that leads us to a place that rather than take responsibility, we'd prefer to blame people. This is kind of how we're wired. I know for me, humility is not something that's ingrained. It's something I have to work on. It's something I need people to call me out on from time to time. So in verse 4, each one should test what? His own actions. Evaluate yourself, your actions, and your reactions against you. Not against those around you, 
And again, anytime we begin to compare ourselves by looking out a window instead of looking into a mirror, we're setting ourselves up. It's easy to cut yourself too much slack and deceive yourself into being irresponsible. We need to test our own actions. Verse 4, then you can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. <clears throat> so bottom line, as long as I compare myself to someone else, it gives me the opportunity to make excuses, right? Am I going to grow in that kind of environment? Talks about going after things. For me, the thing that's helpful, helpful is when I compare myself to myself, looking at the negatives and the positives, it gives me the opportunity to grow. But better yet, how much more so should we compare ourselves to Jesus Christ? I mean, if we're going to draw comparisons, isn't that the place? Isn't that who we want to be like? So really taking the time to look at his life, what he represented, what he was about. You know, I remember this uh, situation years ago as a kid where growing up, it was so easy to make excuses. You know, I had a mom that was pretty tough on me in a lot of different areas, and I remember some of the arguments I had with her when there were restrictions on what I could participate in, where I could go, what I could do. It was like, well, Mom, I don't do drugs. Mom, I don't get drunk. And there were instances where I would cite the names of individuals that I knew that had been in our house that participated in these things. Well, I'm not immoral. That leads to excuses. It sure as heck didn't lead me to any growth. Galatians 6, verse 5 says, For each one should carry his own load. The need to take responsibility for you. No one else can do that. Then in verse 7, Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. Do not be deceived. You know, this is the second time we see Paul cautioning about that in this passage. Why does he caution us with this? Because we're good at it. Right? We can deceive ourselves. We can look around and compare ourselves to others. We make excuses about our progress or our lack thereof. But don't be deceived. God cannot be mocked. God cannot be outwitted. God cannot be outsmarted. God is not your mama. You know, when you were young, maybe you manipulated mom or dad. And you, can, you think you might be able to deceive your way or outwit your way out of it with God. You know, I remember a number of years ago, after band practice, I packed my mom about an hour as to when band practice was going to get out. And um, got together with a couple of buddies. One of them had a truck. And I got this harebrained idea. There was this construction on Cortez with these stand-up reflectors kind of guarding a ditch at the side of the road. So I got a, a boulder about yay big, put in a canvas sack, tied that up real nice, and doing this routine, and yeah, I took a bunch of those out. I'm, you know, if you're working for Caltrans, please don't come looking for me. <laughs> but uh, I don't remember how many there were anyways. There were, there were a few. But then it, after knocking Dallas down, it hooked the first one, and literally on all fours, it's just skating down the street, sparking and the whole bit. And then, you know, those, those reflectors on the side of the road? I thought they were aluminum. Didn't realize until after the rope, which was intertwining between my fingers, ripped out that they weren't aluminum. They did not give. And I almost lost this pinky. It was all the way down to the bone on the top side. You know, I really thought I outsmarted my mom. You know, I had it wrapped up, and I walked around with my hand in the pocket for a few weeks. I went over to a buddy's house, and his mom put Vaseline on it, from which I understand probably wasn't a good thing to do, and that it needed to dry out and kind of heal. And, uh, you know, my mom at some point saw it. She said, so what, what did you do? I go, well, you know, remember that rainy day we had in gym? Uh, we, we were inside, and I was jumping rope, and one of my buddies tore the rope out of my hand. And, 
you know, it's a mistake. It's funny how you think that you can outsmart the system, how it ultimately can come back and bite you. You know, have you ever used this one? Daddy, I think the bank made a mistake in my checking account. I don't have any money. I still have checked, but so there's got to be a mistake. <laughs> Paul helps us understand God's not that way. God can't be mocked. You know, we may all be able to slough off certain degrees of responsibility and maybe with our parents or in the workplace or whatever the case may be, but, and there may be some of those environments where being irresponsible, maybe you get away with it for a while. Maybe you can coast for a while, hoping that somebody else will make up the difference, but God knows. And you need to understand, it's your move. This passage is a warning. It's a promise. It's an opportunity. It's an explanation. It's a lot of things, but understand, God cannot be fooled. God isn't fooled by religiosity or a religious system. He's not. You know, I can empty my sin bucket at the confessional on Saturday night and come back next week and do it all over again, just hoping that I don't die Saturday afternoon before I receive communion on Sunday. That's temple theology. That's not God theology. People, we all reap what we sow. And Paul says this, and I think he actually knows and knew that we knew it intuitively as to what that meant. That life is connected. That where you are today is a result of decisions you made yesterday, in the past, or where you'll be tomorrow based on decisions you make today. Every area of your life is connected to what you do today and what you did yesterday. So keep in mind, it's your move. Got a short video that I want to show, and uh, we'll come back and close this out. Dr. Marvin, you can help me. For the first time in my life, I feel like there's hope. I feel like I can be somebody. Bob, there's an old saying that the best psychiatrist in the world is the one right inside of you. Yeah. I can help you. Yes. Thank you. Bob, there is a groundbreaking new book that has just come out. Ah. Now, not everything in this book, of course, applies to you, but I'm sure that you can see, when you see the title, exactly how it could help. Baby steps? It means setting small, reasonable goals for yourself, one day at a time. One tiny step at a time. Baby steps. For instance, um, when you leave this office, don't think about everything you have to do in order to get out of the building. Just think of what you must do to get out of this room. And when you get to the hall, deal with that hall and so forth. You see? Baby steps. Baby steps. Oh, boy. Baby steps. Baby steps. Baby steps through the office. Baby steps out the door. It works. It works. All I have to do is take one little step at a time, and I can do anything. Hmm. Baby step around the office. <laughs> Baby step around the office. That should give you a lot to digest while I'm on vacation. 
vacation. Oh, certainly my secretary told you. As of this afternoon, I'm taking my family on vacation until Labor Day. That's a month. What if I need you? What if I need to talk? Well, my associate, Dr. Harmon, would be happy to talk. And Bob, I'll be back. Just read baby steps. Baby steps out of the office. Very good. Baby steps to the hall. Very good, Bob. Keep going. That's it. Bye. I'll see you in a month. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby steps to the elevator. Baby step onto the elevator. Baby steps into the elevator. I'm in the elevator. Any of you feel that way after you started out on something new? If you haven't seen the movie, it's uh, entitled What About Bob? There's definitely a, a few good laughs in there. Thinking this through when it comes to our lives, how we live them, changes that we want to make, ultimately progress is a matter of just taking that first step. You know, we've had David Bruce who's come out and he's kind of given us some oversight on neural, neural pathways, how the brain works. If you're caught up in a habit, to get out of the habit, you need to lay down those new neural pathways by, again, thinking through Understanding it's your move. How are you going to sow now? Realizing what you sow is also what you will reap. Thinking through the priorities with this. Life is connected. Having this relationship with God, taking those first few steps, it's super significant to even do a self-assessment from time to time or talk through the challenges you have with somebody else that's in your life that's a part of the church. You know, again, when it comes to the marriage, we, the tools are there. We've got the Bible and we've got other people whose lives we can go to for help if we're not really sure how to go after things. In the workplace, you know, if you feel like it's a dead-end job, you're not making any headway, asking yourself, okay, am I really excelling? Is there something different about me versus the other employees that are there dating, reading the Bible, sharing good news? It's all about priorities and really thinking that through. We are the ones responsible for where we are in life and we need to ask ourselves, are we willing to take that first step? You know, some of you this morning maybe don't feel super close to God. Maybe you feel like he doesn't love you based on things that you've been praying or going after. That he doesn't care. It's not true. This verse makes it so incredibly clear. He loved you so much that he let you know about this principle of reaping and sowing ahead of time. This wasn't a surprise test that you're going to get hit with after you pass. It's something where God wants us to make it to heaven. He gives us the ability to do that if we're willing to take the right steps. So, you know, right now, if you're in an area of your life where maybe your finances, your money, your dating life, your relationship, professional life, whatever, if there's any area of your life right now where you think you should be or where you want to be and you're not, think it through. Chances are you've sown and reaped yourself into whatever that position is in some capacity. Life is connected. Where you are today is a result of decisions that you may have made in the past. Tomorrow is connected to what you do today and what you did yesterday. And really understanding that forgiveness is a good thing. It gives us the opportunity to have this relationship with God because of his son. But it doesn't erase earthly consequences of wrong decisions that we may have made in the past. What we sow is what we reap.
And it doesn't need to be a negative. You know, there may be even exceptions to this principle, but the thing that's encouraging is that it can work for you as well as against you. Everybody reaps later and greater. It's just a matter of what it is that you've, what it is that you've sown. And really thinking about it, as it relates to this principle, we can't expect fair, we can't expect just, and don't blame God. But the truism here is, if we ignore gravity, we'll fall on our faces, right? If you're on a roof somewhere up in the tree and you decide, or you miss your step, whatever, you're going to come down. You're going to get hurt. You can't ignore gravity. So most of us count the cost before we climb trees or run around on the roof of a house or climb out on the top of a skyscraper, right? Really thinking that through. If you ignore the basic rules of buoyancy, you'll sink. And really understanding if you ignore the principle of reaping and sowing, you'll inevitably face the consequences or blessings of your decisions later and greater. So let's take responsibility. Let's sow responsibly now to reap the benefits that God wants us to have. And if you don't like where you're at in some area of your life right now, today, then own it and change it. And this is ultimately where it can start. It can start with our priorities. Who's out in the middle? What's that going around the outside? These are all realities of what our lives look like, right? Family, work, hobbies, health, school, home, stuff, finances, friends, church. And sometimes that little sliver of the pie up there is what God ends up getting relegated to. Because from a standpoint of priorities, we allow those other things to push everything out, not realizing if we maintain the relationship with God, we're reading his word, we're engaged with one another, we can overcome those things. And this is what it should look like, realizing when we're baptized into Christ, we receive the Holy Spirit, which is equipping me, is equipping you, so that you can sow properly. And all that stuff around the outside that can be chaotic without God becomes something that we can be a lot more hopeful about and realize that it's that much more manageable if we really go after that relationship with God. Priorities, what we do in life is important. And really taking the time today to think through life and its craziness, what are we sowing towards? Gravity can be overcome, right? You have a bungee cord or enough power with a plane, it can get you off the ground and it can keep you up there for a while. Sinking can be overcome. Learn how to swim. Or get a boat. But I mean, all those things will keep you above the surface, right? These are principles, again, that can be leveraged for us. Let's close with a review of Galatians 6, verses 3 through 9. If anyone thinks he is something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. Each one should test his own actions. Then he can take pride in himself without comparing himself to somebody else. For each one should carry his own load. Do not be deceived. God cannot be mocked. A man reaps what he sows. The one who sows to please his sinful nature, from that nature will reap destruction. The one who sows to please the Spirit, from the Spirit will reap eternal life. Let us not become weary in doing good, for at the proper time we will reap a harvest if we do not give up. I love that. Let us not become weary in doing good. it It can be wearisome. But that much more so if we're doing it on our own and we're just checking off boxes and we're relying on the temple model. No, I need to do that, so I'm just going to check it off rather than getting our hearts in the right place and understanding what we really have with Christ. So let us each sow properly so we can reap an awesome harvest. When we leverage this principle, often the rewards are bigger 
than we deserve as well. I mean, I look back at my last, where are we at now? 26 years of being a Christian. It's amazing what God has done in my life, the things that I've been able to overcome, the blessings that I never, ever in a million years would have thought I would receive. Time and time and time again, various miracles that have taken place, that as a non-Christian, even if things had gone in a good direction, I don't even know that I'd recognize it. There were so many successes before I was a Christian in the workplace, but I was always empty. I was always looking for more. I was always looking for the next promotion. And, and talk about wearisome, knowing that once you get to the top of the ladder, there's another set of rungs that you've got to climb. That, that it never was enough. But God is enough. If we're willing to have that God reliance, we're willing to leverage things with this understanding of Jesus and who he is, not only can we learn from the previous generation, the thing that's more significant to me is what kind of a church is going to be left to our kids. And that we have, the, we have a choice of being able to make a difference there so that the next generation will be blessed based on our example. So I just close with this today. Engage. Take the first step. It's your move. God be the glory. Thanks for listening to the South Bay Church Podcast. For other sermons, videos, upcoming events, and more about our church, please visit southbaychurch.us. 